0: I just hung up the phone from talking with one of my brothers. And like always, conversations are what ignites the fire in me. And by the end of FaceTiming my brother, I'm like, I I need to do a podcast episode right now about ego stories and how in almost every situation, our ego is either gaining or losing something. I'm finding that Almost every theory I come up with about human behavior or aha moment I get from you know contemplation, the root or the what it stems from is from a conversation with my family members or my friends, and so my they are my inspiration they ignite this fire this passion in me that 's like I need to talk about this now right now today while i 'm feeling inspired while all of these thoughts are pouring out of me this is my moment to always sit down with my phone and record this so first what is an ego i never want people to think it's bad because it's like oh he has an ego she has an ego there's that negative connotation but but that's not that's not true our ego is our brain it is the identity of like who we are so it's the i statement I would say, I am assertive. I'm passionate about so-and-so. That is the ego. It's the I am statements. It's our brain. It's our mind. It's who we are, but it's not fully who we are. I believe I am a soul in this human body, but my brain is like this culmination of, you know, some genetics and then my childhood, my culture, That's what creates our ego, our identity of who we are. We all have it. We can't not have it in a human body. And it's not bad. It is so not bad. Please stop thinking it's bad. It's not bad. It is what it is. We can only really be aware and temperate and maybe not act from it although i mean we're acting from our ego all day because it's it's who we are but the the shadow self of our ego is where you know that's the revenge voice so that's when we can learn to be like oh this is my shadow p- part of my ego you know i'm not going to listen to that revenge voice i talked about that on a different episode so we all have an ego it's nothing to be ashamed about it is what it is but i fully believe I am also a soul. I am a spark of the divine. I am love. That is the basis of who I am. That is the basis of who you are. But then we're a soul living with the ego, living with this body. And to me, that's kind of where the the devil and the angel on the shoulder comes from. That's kind of how I explain it. Although I would never call the ego the devil. I would. I would never. The ego is just a culmination of everything we've learned from our parents, our culture, our childhood. That's all it is. It's basically like a computer program created and now it's all packaged up and we are that. But if we constantly live only through our ego, this is where our suffering and our fear and anxiety all resides. This is why we are 50 years old or 32 like me and be like, why am I not happy? It's because we have lived through our ego and the conditioning of our culture and letting fear run our lives. The ego thrives off of fear. It is just trying to keep you safe, but it is so wired for fear. And everything changes when we stop And we start becoming aware of our ego and we can consciously choose to live through our soul, our essence, our love. This is when life changes in my opinion. When we stop living and operating 100% from the ego and into the soul and the percentage honestly probably not that big of a difference. I would, okay, if I had, okay, I love percentages. I love percentages. I'm gonna guess, okay, if you could start living less from your ego and in your soul more, honestly, 1% of a difference. (laughs) I'm not kidding. 1% of a shift from your ego to your soul, you will start being happier, more grateful, more loving. That is the shift, and then, as you start shifting more, like 90% of your day in your ego, 10% in your soul, that's, that's a pretty big deal, in my opinion. You know, there's not many humans that do that. That is a fully centered, grounded human. So, in my opinion, the recipe for happiness is just shifting that 100% in the ego all day long and into your soul. How much of the day can you? Be present with your soul and live from that. It's hard. It's hard, hard work. It's not easy. And if you will never go from 100% in your ego to 100% in your soul, because that would mean you're dead. (laughs) Like when you're done on this earth, you lose your body, your ego, your mind. And then you just release as a soul. So the goal should never be 100% in my soul. I'm gonna live from my authentic self. I don't think it's possible. So get that expectation out of here. It's not possible. Just reach for a 1% change, okay? A 1% change will shift your happiness and your fulfillment and your joy drastically. Okay, so this concept of what is my ego gaining or losing in this moment right now? This is all from my chiropractor I've been seeing for probably 5 or 6 years. He gets the emotion out of my body and say for example the emotion is resentment. Then my homework is to go home and write down. And I admit I don't do this every time because you know we can all be lazy with our health. But our homework is to go home and figure out what is my ego gaining or losing from holding on to resentment. Everyone comes up with their different answers. There is no right or wrong. But in my opinion, anytime I'm holding on to resentment, my ego is probably gaining victimhood. It's gaining the label of being a victim. Poor me mentality. Hey, give me attention. I need attention because I'm a victim. So I think my ego would be gaining victimhood but in order to gain attention and attention is being seen so that it's multi-leveled but obviously almost everything goes back to a need to be seen to be heard to be appreciated to feel important significant special these are all essential needs within us but the holistic psychologist. She kind of dials it down to three core needs, which simplifies it. It's the need to be heard, seen, and to be able to fully self express in a safe environment. Like um, self expressing your authenticity, the essence of who you are in a safe environment. So the ability to self express authentically. So if I'm holding on to resentment, My ego is gaining something. Otherwise, my ego would never hold on to resentment. It would never hold on to being angry. There is an ego gain. Your ego gains something from this feeling. That's why it's doing it. The ego is always losing or gaining something. That's why it's happening. So people hold on to resentment to hold on to victimhood to gain attention to be seen or heard. Another huge topic for the ego is the need to be right and the need for control. These are the two biggest areas of the ego, in my opinion, because anytime I have something going on with me, I deconstruct it and it almost always goes back to being right or control. So an example would be Say you're fighting with your partner. A lot of fights go back to the need to be right. No one wants to be wrong. No one wants to be the loser. Everyone wants to be the winner. So anytime you're having a fight with your partner, it almost always goes back to the need to be right. So the ego is just trying to be right, trying to be right. It wants to be crowned the victor, the winner, because then it was right but the other person cuz there's always an ego gain or loss so in a fight between two people egos are battling to be right or to gain something that's why the battles happening it's two egos battling they're both battling for something to gain something usually it's to be right but if one person is more hellbent on needing the control and to be right The other person usually is the one that doesn't like conflict and just succumbs and just apologizes. This person, you know, normally just retreats, doesn't want conflict, but their ego is gaining something by giving up the reins on the fight and just giving in and being like, okay, you won. This person in the relationship, their ego is also gaining something. In my opinion, it's probably... Their ego is giving up the feeling of being the wrong one or being in the wrong or feeling bad. So while the fight's happening, one ego is just trying to be right while it's making the other ego feel bad and wrong. So that ego wants the fight to be done. They are done with the conflict because they need to get rid of this feeling. The ego needs to lose this shame. The ego needs to get rid of this bad feeling. So while one ego is fighting the need to be right and then say they they won on that one, while the other ego quit the fight because they, they need to stop feeling bad and shameful. So the sooner the fight is done, the sooner they can stop feeling bad. So let's talk about unsolicited advice. This is a great topic. I am the person that doesn't like to be given unsolicited advice, yet I kind of have the innate nature to give unsolicited advice. I'm very aware and I temper it, but I've been giving unsolicited advice for my whole life. So this is me. So this is why I'm going to talk about it because I've deconstructed unsolicited advice And I wanna share with you guys, okay. Unsolicited advice is when someone is not asking for help, not asking for your opinion, and you just give it anyways. Typically, the ego says, I'm just helping. I'm trying to help. I'm a loving person. I am just being helpful. I wanna help them through their situation. This is an ego story. It says, I'm so helpful. That's why I'm giving this advice. Even though they're not asking this from me, they're not asking my advice, but I, I care about them so much and I wanna help them so bad that they need to hear this from me. That's an ego story. So when I've deconstructed this in my own life with my own ego, it has gone back to the need to be right. So this is how it plays out. Say my friend is talking to me about an issue you know, she's struggling with and while she's talking, Oh, it's just burning up in me that, you know, I have all this advice to give. I have this idea and this idea, and I want to help her through this. And I have all these ideas and advice that I just wanted to give to her to help her. Well, if I'm being radically honest, if I were to give that advice and she could respond in a way like, oh my gosh, that's it. <gasps> yeah, okay, I'm going to do that. Or that's it. Oh my gosh. You're that's right, you're so right. That's the ideal scenario of when you give someone advice. So, when you give someone advice, and deep down, your greatest hope is that they say, oh, That's it, you're right. Your ego is gaining that need to be right. Or you give advice, and your friend, you know, tries it out the next week, they come back, and she says, That's exactly it you nailed it on the head that helped me so much oh the ego gets a little pat on the back the ego was right so the unsolicited advice you know because you just need to help them so much in your dream world they would come back and say that was it you're right and it's the absolute need for the ego to be right even though it tells you the story of no i'm just helping But if you were totally honest with yourself and said, how would I want them to respond after I tell them this advice I need them to know? It would be them validating that you're so smart. You're so aware you are right. So for me, it's so hard to hold back the unsolicited advice because it's an opportunity for my ego to be right. Me holding back Biting my tongue gives me no opportunity to be right. But me blurting out unsolicited advice could potentially grant me the situation where the person says, yes, that's it, you're right. And my ego wants that. It wants that so bad. It wants that validation, that gratification. That's just the way the ego is wired, right? Okay, so if you're in a situation where you are Talking to someone and they're giving you unsolicited advice, my advice, my unsolicited advice. No, I, th- I think if you're listening to this, you're open to my advice. Uh, the next time you talk to that person, you know, the next time you are with that person and you are about to tell them something or unload on them, in any way, you can preface it and say, Hey, I just want to get this off my chest. I'm not looking for ways to solve it, or I'm not looking for advice. Can you just listen? Or recently I was having a conversation with a different brother and he said something like, okay, you're going to put your listening ears on. And it was clever. It was, it was, it was so good because I'm like that loud person sometimes that I need reminders to just listen. I'm always working on that. Like that's my thing is just Talk less, listen more. That's my, that's my motto, I'm trying. It's hard, it's so hard for me. Okay, another aspect of my personality is I do like to be a devil's advocate. Man, I don't know why. Okay, just kidding, I know why, because I deconstructed it, okay? Devil's advocate, oh, okay, special people. Again, this is a part of kind of who I am, Yet, when people play devil's advocate to me, I don't like it. Basically, I've learned everything I know because people do it to me and then I realize, oh, I do it. And if I don't like when someone does it to me, I cannot do it to other people. Treat people the way you want to be treated. That is the golden rule and I keep learning from it again and again and again. So I'm a devil's advocate And I don't always appreciate when people do it back to me. So I've had to look at this in myself. So when I deconstruct a devil's advocate, this is what I've come up with. The ego is looking to gain a chance to change someone's mind. It is trying to gain a chance to open someone's mind in the hopes of being right. Because if you are a devil's advocate and in the moment when you are being a devil's advocate, if you could be completely honest with yourself and say, what would be the best outcome or the best scenario or what does my ego want in this moment? Normally, in that moment, I can only speak for myself, okay? This is not 100% true for everyone. This is what I've learned and I think a lot of people can relate to it. It doesn't make it 100% applicable to everyone but for me I have learned in my dream scenario of conversing with someone and then I'm being a devil's advocate the dream scenario would be for them to be like oh yeah I get it oh I just had a mind shift oh my mind just had a new perspective or oh okay I can see that point of view the ego wants to gain that chance of opening someone's mind or changing their mind, even if you don't even admit it. Most people are like, no, I'm not trying to change your mind. But the ego is always trying to gain something. So if you're playing devil's advocate, there is a chance that you're trying to open their mind or perspectives so that perhaps they can be like, oh, yeah, you are right. So then the ego can be right yet again. For me, I can always feel the difference in my body. I can feel the difference when I'm really crafting what I'm going to say in order to get them to see my point of view. Or there's a situation where I'm purely curious and completely unattached to the conversation, the topic. There are... It's not black and white, but normally I can feel in my body when I'm kind of pressing, pressing for them to see my point of view, for them to you know, stop being so close-minded and open your mind. The difference is in my body, and I know when I'm pressing or if I'm purely so innocent and curious, which happens, but it doesn't happen that often. Normally the ego just wants to be right. So another ego gain is or actually loss okay let's talk about an ego loss because this is just as big we've been talking about ego gains An ego loss is just as important so moms parents with kids basically all day long a threat to their ego is the loss of control your mom and your kid is having a tantrum about what to wear. You're like, I laid out these clothes, put these clothes on. And the kid's like, no, I wanna wear these clothes. And this is a small scenario, but it's a very real scenario. What happens is the mom's ego loses control. This is why parenthood is so triggering so constantly because the ego needs and thrives on control. It feels safe when it has control. So when you're a parent, your ego kind of views your child as its enemy because it's always threatening to take control away from you, from your ego. This is where so much conflict happens. It's the battle for control. And every ego needs its control and wants its control because the loss of control is detrimental. It's suffering, it doesn't feel good, it's uncomfortable. So this is where that quote, choose your battles, comes in for parents. Because needing your child to put on the clothes that you laid out, does your ego need that, the reins of control that bad? Normally it does, because parenthood in this society, in this culture, is the greatest opportunity for the ego to be superior and in control because you birth this little child that you are in control of. Parenthood is usually and potentially the biggest ego trip of all because it feeds the ego's need of control. And then all of the conflict starts happening when the child you know, becomes maybe 18 months old, when their autonomy and their independence starts forming and they start saying no. When they start saying no, that's when the ego battles between parents and children starts. Up until like a year, it's, it's kind of smooth sailing, it seems like. There's no real ego battles. Because once your child can defy you and say no, and that's around 18 months, you know, two years old, that's when the tests begin. That's when you realize, oh, this child of mine is an enemy that wants to take away my control all day long. So if you're unaware of your ego, I mean, this is, this is going to be a big cause of suffering because you're just going to hold on to those reins of control, hold them tighter and tighter and tighter and become more authoritarian, more author- authoritarian. Like it's going to get more intense until maybe one day you wake up and realize, I I got to choose my battles you know this gain of control isn't worth this suffering and not everyone wakes up to that day not a lot of people do actually but this dynamic of the control and the child constantly being a threat to the ego of taking away control happens in partnerships like that's what every fight is about that's what every disagreement is about it's about the need to be right or the need to have control So it's the people that we are in a house with the most, that we see the most, that will do this tango with our ego all the time, constantly. This is what life is about. This is what relationships are. So the next time you have a control battle with your child or your partner, or you have a disagreement with your partner, become present if you can and try and reflect on how badly your ego wants to be right and in control in this moment. Because my guess is that the ego is constantly trying to gain the need to be right or it's trying to avoid the loss of control. There are so many examples. You know, the one I said about resentment, you know, my ego was trying to gain the need to be seen and heard through victimhood. I mean, so there's a million emotions and topics and this topic is huge, but to make it easy and simplified for you, just focus on when you need to feel right, to be proven right, for someone to say, oh, you're right. You know, that advice was exactly what I needed. You're right. Or when your partner or your child is a threat to your ego and is trying to take control away from the ego. That's what, the, that's what it feels like to, to the ego. If you are present, that doesn't need to happen. You can just observe, oh, okay, I'm really triggered right now because my ego is about to lose control and it doesn't want to lose control or my ego is fighting this control right now. It wants it so bad but this is not a battle I want today. I don't want to win and be the victor over my child. That's not what I desire. That's what my ego desires. My ego wants to be in control that badly, but I don't want that and I can choose different. And the, this is the mind chatter that we can get to through practice, presence, and a million mistakes and mess ups, but eventually the baby steps start feeling better and better and better.